Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. All right, I'm really excited to introduce Colleen McGarity to the Philacrosophy podcast. Colleen runs Triple H Lacrosse out of Philly. She coached college lacrosse for three years at the University of Colorado when they were starting the program. Uh, that's where I met her out in Colorado. She played at Northwestern, won three national championships, was an All-American, and uh, played pro lacrosse in WPLL. Colleen, really fired up to have you on the show and to talk a little college lacrosse recruiting with you. Yes, I'm excited to be here. As we chat a lot, good to get it on a podcast for everyone to hear. Exactly. The Philocrosophy podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 video assessment tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials or register Go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now. All right, let's talk about, uh, you know, we're right in the middle of recruiting season. You've got, you know, club kids of all different ages. Um, but let's just kick it off with this statement. Recruiting is a crapshoot. Yes, it is. Give me your opinions on why that is. Uh, I mean, especially right now, um, I think the fall is – 100% a crapshoot because we touched upon this a little bit. The games are shorter. You know, you're playing in not great weather conditions. You're playing on the East Coast typically besides that last third tournament in Florida, which you get a little bit better conditions. So you're trying to, like, have your girls make great plays in 18-minute halves running clock. Um, and as we talk, you could not be winning the draw, so your attack might get one or two opportunities. You could be – you know, on defense the whole time. You could be on offense the whole time. You could have a goalie that gets one shot at them or no shot. So that's why it's a crapshoot a lot of times, just hoping that the ball rolls your way. Um, that's why I tell my girls all the time, let's hope we have a great game. Like, I don't really care if you win or lose. Let's just have an even-leveled game where you get equal opportunities on attack and defense. Yeah, it's a total crapshoot because you just never know. There's certain things you can't control, like like the weather. You can't control it. Like if you're, if you're a goalie and the draw, your draw girl wins every time, you're probably not going to see very many shots. And then, oh, bummer, the coach is left at halftime. Yep, exactly. And, and so, also like refs, like when they get a card, like I, one of my middies got a card yesterday, which was in a great defensive play that's perfectly fine in college. Now she's out for two minutes. And maybe that coach that was coming to watch her was only there for a half. Oh, yeah. So 25% absolutely. of the time, I would say there's refs that, like, literally just change the whole complexion. <laughs> if I was a college coach, I'd be like, ref, will you please just stop right. doing that? You're ruining the game for us. We actually wanted to watch this game. Especially running clock. And for the purpose of this high school, I get it. Like, there's a state championship on the line. You can call a timeout. You sure. can coach. You can adjust things. It's really hard in recruiting showcases to, one, adjust on the fly do things where every ref's completely different. So you might have three different sets of refs without throughout your whole entire weekend yeah. that call the game completely differently. 
So just adjusting. And I just kind of smile and laugh. There's no point to even yell at the ref because what's the point? That's really all you can do. Yeah. Uh, and then, and obviously you can't actually make people like you in general, you know, I mean, that just never works. But so, so like just to sort of establish the fact that there's things that are completely out of your control um, and that, you know, you just have to go out there and get a little bit lucky on, on what happens in the game that you get enough touches. I mean, how many dodges is your average offensive player going to get in a game? It's under 10. 10 would be a lot. 10 would be a lot. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking of a couple of girls yesterday in my games. I think I saw one of my players maybe do eight dodges total in two games. So four and four. That's probably about right. I mean, you know, when you're talking about 18 minute halves, yeah. you're in there for like, let's just say that, you know, you don't play the whole game. So maybe you're in right. there for 10 minutes. Teams have full rosters. So you're going four attack in, four out. You're yeah. getting eight minutes. Nine minutes, they're getting nine minutes a half of which maybe half the time it's on the other end. So they're at four and a half minutes a half, you know, maybe you get a dodge or two. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's tough. Now I can tell you this, if it's important, you, you do have to figure out a way to have some assertiveness though, because, sure. because if, if you are not assertive at all and then you and you never dodge, it's really hard for coaches to know how good you are. Talk about that for a second, as far as the way coaches are evaluating you as a playmaker right I, I mean I think I talk a lot of my girls about body language and just being ready because half the time if you're just watching you're an attacker you're watching your other teammate just dodge and you're not ready you miss that like the reflection or the, the ball goes on the ground you have to be ready to make the play at any moment and also off ball is huge like because coaches aren't dumb they know that, that like it might be just luck of where the ball's moving so you have to make them be like, all right, this kid's moving off ball. They're doing what they can control because you're not going to be able to control getting the ball. But being able to like time up a cut, be in the open spot when it's transitioning down there is huge. So sometimes I think girls miss their opportunity not knowing just because they didn't get themselves in the right spot to get the ball. Yeah, and off ball is, you know, it's, uh, it's probably 90% of the game. You don't yep. have the ball and being great there is incredibly important and it'll make you so much more productive um mm -hmm. it's nice to have a club team that like you know uh values that and teaches that which is a perfect segue into the next uh topic that i had for you which was how do you choose a club right it's a really difficult like i guess dilemma for kids to be in um i think you gotta same with when you're choosing like a college or where you're going go with a gut feeling of those coaching staff are you going to become a better player and is it a club that values everybody and it's not just a one and gun one person show um finding the balance to show everyone's highlights and not only focusing on one specific style um so like for our club for instance we have a lot of great attackers that know the two-man game know how to play box across know all that stuff then we have some great top dodgers so just being able to have a club that can, you know, see that and recognize that you need to show a little bit of both um, on and then playing in the right tournaments and having the right connections is huge for a club team. I mean, honestly, I don't, not many club college coaches recruit from the high school teams. They might use them as a second reference, but you're not seeing college coaches lined up at high school games unless you make it to the state playoffs and you're in the East Coast, because I think we go a little bit farther than the West Coast teams or 
any like that. But so it's huge. Um, when you think about people, when the people are trying to choose a club team, how, how can they tell if, if uh, you're going to the right tournaments? I mean, how, how does one know? Is there a small number that you can rattle off right now, or is there a better, easier, generic way to sort of think it through? Uh, you know the top tournaments. So, like, for instance, we were, you know, this weekend at Mid-Atlantic, at Chesapeake, this next, uh, upcoming weekend, and President's Cup is huge. Those are the three main big fall tournaments. I would say rivalry and primetime um, as well are huge. You can also look at – it still is the same. You look at the M&Ds of the world, Skywalkers, Monsters, Top Guns, where they're at coaches will follow mass elite you know what I mean so and I love to put my triple h up there as well as being a top program for coaches to come see so even if you're not of that caliber yet you need to be at those events where those teams are playing because you know for sure college coaches are there yeah and that's how you built your your club and you've only been doing this for like what three years now yeah this is my I think I'm on my fifth year yeah fifth year fifth year of doing it and so you had to you had to in, in a startup manner build a, a club and right. you are starting to you know beat those some of those top teams and you know as you gain more notoriety you'll be able to recruit a higher level I would imagine every year's class is a little bit better you know sure. as far as the quality um, mm -hmm. but when you, what what allowed you to kind of build your club the way you did you referenced this before but advocacy and connections I'm mm -hmm. sure that had a huge reason for you to be able to attract good players. And, and how important is that? And how do you do it? Um, I think a lot of times I value the development of the kid too. So I do a lot of lessons and a lot of practices. So I think, you know, just focusing on development. And then, I mean, you could see it here at my high school team. We went from, you know, not being that good of a high school team with all of my kids now playing club for me, we're considered one of the top in the league. And it took four years. So just focusing on the development and just buying into the process. It's okay to get crushed by all those top teams in the beginning and then take my 2020 team, for example. They were, I think they ended up like ranked seventh last year, beating Skywalkers, having great games with Top Guns, having, you know, great games with all those top 10 club teams where we were losing to them four years ago. But just staying like on the course of development and over time, it'll even out. Yeah, development is it is so key. Yeah. And then let's talk a little bit about advocacy. I mean, you, you know, obviously the, the Northwestern coaching tree is insane. Yeah. And then you played in WPLL, so you played against all the women that are currently, you know, pros that are coaching, and there's a lot of them. Um, yeah. And then being a college coach, obviously, you, you just were on the sidelines doing this not very many years ago. So um, talk about how important it is and how advocacy really works. It's huge. I mean, just being able to pick up the phone and reach out to get an answer, um, I think is first and foremost, the most important thing. Like, is this person on your list or not? Yeah. If they're not, here's why I think they might, they should be, or thank you for your honest feedback. I'm going to guide them in a different direction. Yeah. Um, That's huge. And that leads me to what we touched upon a little bit ago is the genuine advocacy. Like I need to advocate the right people to the right places because if I'm just throwing out all my kids to, Kelly, Amante, she's going to be like, what the hell? Like, oh, there's only a few and far between that can go play at this type of a program. So just knowing, like, who fits there, who can thrive, who can put Triple H, you know, and wear that across their chest and, like, wear it proudly that now they're representing us well at that program. I can't send someone that's not suited for that specific school unless they, you know, have that type of skill set. 
or that potential for the couple years. So just figuring that out is huge and having those conversations with each student athlete and then figuring it out, then I can start to advocate in the proper way. But you just don't go out advocating to all my best friends. Like it's actually sometimes almost harder. Yeah. Like, all right, I really have to find the right kid because they're some of my closest friends. I need to find them the right fit. Um, but just being able to get those clear answers, I think is huge as well, which email is, they're getting thousands of emails. So just, you know, having them feel like they need to respond to me is, yeah. is nice. Yeah. Getting a little yeah. intel. Huge. Yeah. Um, some, there's some people that run clubs. They're like, I will get you recruited or they'll be like, if you don't play for me, you're blackballed. Um, can we just please debunk like all these yeah. statements? Um, yeah, I've heard that from a couple, couple of clubs and uh, across the country. And when I was both college recruiting and on the side I am now, um, I always tell my families, I'm going to put you in the best position to be exposed and then it's up to you. So getting them, you know, the looks, making sure the college coaches even just take a look or, you know, you have the opportunity for then you to make the best of it. I will never guarantee I'm going to get you recruited. I'm going to help put you in the best spot to, you know, then you have to make it happen. It can't be only the club coach or, you know, so you're just going to put them in a position to be seen, yeah. to get that exposure, to get the development that's necessary to play at that level. And then how bad do you want it is also huge. Like, you're either going to keep pushing and make it happen or fight to get that spot or, you know, it just didn't work out, but everyone's path is different and there's no wrong or right path. Right. Totally. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I would always think about is if, if I can advocate for an athlete by saying, Hey coach, I really think you should take a look at this player. Yes. If they trust me. They probably will. Mm -hmm. And then later on when the player does their job and play really well then you can dial up the advocacy when they come back to you and be like i actually really like that player and then you can dive right in but right. i think a lot of people don't realize that like the only thing you can really do is is probably get them a look right and then it's yeah. up to them that's where sometimes it becomes a struggle with the parents like why isn't this happening what's going on I'm like hey you have the opportunities now you need to you know be assertive in these games like we just talked about to be like, all right, this kid has potential that they're going to come back and watch you. You didn't make a play or you didn't do anything. So just making sure that like you make, you take advantage of the chances you get when those coaches are lined up on the sideline. Like I think last year at President's Cup, when that one night game we had, there was like 50 coaches there, which was awesome. So like it just pretty much got girls recruited on the spot. Yeah. Like, and it was a great game. Like I, I think we won, but it was a great game. You know what I mean? Like I don't, People always ask, like, did you win? That doesn't matter. You just want it to be a great game, equal looks, and all of them, you know, being assertive when they get the opportunity. Let's talk about assertive for a second, though, because, like, and this is why it's so important to have good coaching in your club, because everybody kind of knows you need to be assertive. Some players are, like, so assertive, it's, like, painful. Mm -hmm. but, but that's where coaching comes in and says, hey, listen, you need to move the ball or I'm going to have to take you out. Right. Um, then there's other kids that are so unassertive, it's kind of painful. And that's where a good coach can be like, hey, you really need to make a play here. Like, we're going to get the ball to you. Go, you know, and talk a little bit about how you try to manage that. Um, I'm honestly having a conversation today with, I, you know, a, a defender that I was like, hey, you had opportunities to come up with huge ground balls or make a great one-on-one -on -one play, and you just didn't capitalize on them. 
So you need to do that next tournament. If not, this is going to be a longer process for you. Um, it's, I think sometimes they think they have to score a goal or they have to do some, there's so many other little plays that like, if you just show change of direction, show a hustle play, show communication, those things you can control and you can do them constantly. Um, and like I said before, like, you can assert yourself in so many other ways on the field that will at least get them thinking about you or stay on the list. So whatever you do, don't let them put you off the list. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to get crossed off. The list. Yeah. So I think like, don't think like, Oh, my chances are over. No, it's just, how do you, and just, you need to focus on the little things that I think the bigger things unfold if you just have those small little things. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, too, is I think that there's a definite, like, element of important two words right now. Mm -hmm. Because you might have kind of gotten crossed off a list a year ago, but right now you might actually be really good. Yeah. Right now, I coaches might not that be interested in you, but in three months from now, right now, they're going to be like, wow, this kid's actually, like, really growing on me. Can you speak right. to that? Right, and gr growing on me is huge. Like, growing. They're growing teenage girls right now. So, like – had a couple conversations yesterday. They're like, it's crazy to watch some of these girls that have just grown from July to now November 9th and 10th, first, first tournament weekend. They could be faster. They could be stronger. They could be slower. Yeah. They could be worse. So you could go two different ways. So yeah. this depends on where you're at right now. And someone was saying like this weekend, this first weekend is interesting because it's going to be like a whole new September 1st almost for a lot of the second wave of kids. Because you kind of had your first wave go a little bit. Now they're figuring out their next three or four spots. And so it, you might have thought like, oh, I had no interest. But now all of a sudden you have all this interest because yeah. they they're moving on. They're, you know, people are making decisions. For sure. Talk a little bit about old school versus new school as it relates to um, club lacrosse and coaching. Um, yeah, it's huge. So like I would say – you know, some of my girls on my team that have this, you know, box lacrosse type of style of play, playing a different type of game. Like we said, advocating to the right schools. Some colleges are going in that direction. Easy to advocate those players to those type of schools where some people might still play a different style. It's just like all motion or top dodging or something like that, where this specific player might not mold into that offense as well. Um, I think most schools are now just changing to just, it's faster, you know, the shot clock, free movement. There's so many different things that are playing in. You got to start to picture these players playing at a different level and a different game. Unfortunately, lacrosse has different high school rules than they do college rules. Right. Why? I'm not sure, but yeah. you know what I mean? It becomes a different game when you can run through the crease on defense. You know, there's more zones being played. Are you, do you have the IQ? Um, which we can get into a whole another podcast on IQ. Um, do you know when a, a defense is in a zone and a man without like, you know, right away without your coach telling you, right. Hopefully the coach tells you, but you also have to have that IQ to make a quick transition or, you know, do you know when you're in a fast break to fast break to a slow break? Um, just that style of IQ is huge as well. I kind of went off a tangent. For yeah, a no, it's good. I mean, because like the point is, is that there's a difference in, you know, lacrosse is very different right now in men's and women's. This is not, this is not a women's lacrosse topic. This is men's and women's lacrosse. There are old school mm -hmm. coaches that grew up and they do what they were taught 
and there's yeah. there's cutting edge coaches that are constantly studying and learning and on top of what the best players in the world are doing and figuring out how to right. teach it to their athletes. Um, so whether it's it's not so much that two man games better than long dodges, it's no. about the fact that you got to be able to do all of this stuff. And with the onset of so much zone defense, mm-hmm. you better be able to play some man up because that's kind yes. of how you play. It's a little different than you know, the coast to coast dodge from way outside the 12 and run through doubles because that's why these zones are like shutting out teams sometimes. Right. Yeah, for sure. I know it's, I mean, it's huge. And it's interesting because for my club defensively, I would love to put in a zone, but I love to teach them. I went over this with you. Like I think defenders get so few opportunities to show their athleticism that I just play a pressure man to man just so they get that opportunity to, to, you know, showcase their one-on-one capability. Yeah. Um, where my high school team might have, you know, a zone and a man-to-man and all different sets. So it's also huge just to, you know, I just think like, all right, if you could, what type of defenders are college coaches taking? Are they taking the midi type athletic? Are they taking, you know, that defender that's smarter in a zone that might be a little bit more IQ than they are faster and fitter? So just figuring out both balances as well. And like, do you play high pressure? Does someone might see one of my defenders that's fouling a lot that I know some of my, you know, old teammates might love because she loves her, you know, intensity or one-on-one defense, but some other coaches might be like, that girl's fouling way too much. Like that wouldn't fit for my style. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a really interesting point that in trying to get your defenders looks, you feel mm-hmm. that it helps to play high pressure because now you can really isolate a defender out on the ball and see and see how they move. Um, so yeah. that makes a ton of sense. So if you're a, if you're you know everybody feels like and I hear this all the time and I've actually asked coaches I'm sure you have too. Do you recruit just middies or will you recruit defenders? Right. What's your answer to that? Uh, once again, I think it's a it's a school very it's situational by school. So I know that like at Northwestern, we were like all middies. Now they're going to like middies and low attackers. Um, But that's just how they evolved. I bet you, you know, a lot of people are saying, I'm looking for two defenders, five middies, two attackers. So just figuring that out. But I think that defender, if they're taking those type of defenders, better be able to run with the ball and, you know, have speed. Um, So just, I always tell my, Defenders like break out that ball, like you know, may, obviously make the open pass if it's wide right. open. But you got to show that you can you can handle the pressure and take that ball safely up the field. Yeah. If not, you're not really getting your hands on the ball. Like I've had some defenders that just don't want the ball. They're very smart, very scrappy, very aggressive, but they need to want the ball. They need to assert themselves in transition to make a play. Doesn't need to be the best play in the world. You just need to put yourself in a position to cut back, get the ball, and transition it. You know, I, I, I think um, of, of the view of I'm just going to recruit middies is probably like uh, a view that's evolving, I think, into I, I really want defensive players. They have to have the capabilities physically that the middies would have as far as speed. Maybe yeah. they don't have to be as skilled, but you know how it goes. You take a middie who's used to scoring goals and you tell her to play defense and she doesn't have that mentality. Right. Half of being a great defender is having the mentality that you probably have. Right. Exactly. And I think it's also evolved because the, the game's evolved. I think when I was playing, like, there was, like, three or four good middies on every single team. So, like, they were just the best players because the sport was just so young. You know what I mean? But the game's yeah. it's evolved where, like, 
now my high school team, like some of my best players are attackers and middies and defenders where when I was playing high school, it was like three good middies on every high school team. And they just had to do everything because there wasn't that many great lacrosse was just not developed as developed as it is now. Yeah, it, it is. It is pretty interesting. Um, but it's just, it's kind of like if they're not recruiting defenders, yeah. And how do I like get to play midfield? And I think that the answer yeah, I is I have that a lot. I'm like it's really hard. And that's why you pressure. Yeah. And why there's no question. I mean, I was talking to Tim McCormick, head coach at ASU, about this. He is adamant about recruiting defenders. You know, right. he wants middies, he wants attackers. But you know, the thing is, is that everybody brings a different skill set. And if you get all the same players, um, then you're not going to be as as good at uh, attacking or defending as you would if you had some really Right. Smart players that can finish, you know, you need some lefties, you need some, you know, huge, you know, speed, you need a draw grow, you need some defenders, you need some stay at home yeah. defenders that can talk. Yeah, so I, communication is huge. And I just think just being the defender that has confidence. So I think it's changed. Like I just like tell my defenders, go over and be a threat for a second. You know what I mean? That's where that gets your opportunity that you have confidence with the ball. You know, and like I said, don't have to score. You just have to go over, maybe throw a pump fake. Maybe do a give and go. Then you can get back over the line. But take that advantage to show that body language, confidence, all that stuff that you only get few opportunities to show when you're just playing in your 7v7 set. The Philacrosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Lacrosse Academy. This 10-week online program is designed to teach cutting-edge lacrosse skills and IQ. Athletes will learn dozens of new techniques, creative drills, X's and O's, and most importantly, how to integrate it all into their game. To learn more or start getting better today, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash academy. So let's talk about what coaches are actually looking for. Um, I, I really feel like so many people in boys and girls across they get so caught up in the recruiting, mm -hmm. um, like especially like ninth grade, that they start spending all of their time signing up for every possible showcase. Yeah. All these, every prospect day, every, everything they can do. And in the meantime, they, they're losing the opportunity to just get better. And, and yep. at the end of the day, there's nothing more important than being good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. There was someone, one of my players was in a rush to get back and like play in the next tournament. I'm like, Hey, you've been injured for like five months. You can't just come back in the tournament. You need to get at least three weeks of practice before you showcase yourself. Like that will hurt you if you rush back and you've had no practice beforehand. Um, the same thing with like going to a camp and then what do you just go from the next camp to the next camp? Like you need to assess that's why film's great. Or like, what did I do bad at that past tournament? tournament or camp that I need to get better at before I go to the next one if not you're just going to make the same mistake like coaches would love to see an improvement you know what I mean so like oh. Oh, I saw that person once wow that kid came back months later or a year later and they're so different they improved not they're the same player so just making them notice something that's an improvement is I think more important than just continually being seen Totally. All right. So let's talk about what coaches want and let's start with character and how do they assess that? Character is so hard. That's why I love to get my kid. I try and run like at least a fall camp or a summer camp just to get them. Obviously I pick my triple H teams 
based on character. Like this kid's a great kid, hardworking, tough. And I want the coaches to see those qualities in them and they can only do them in a camp setting. Um, so just, you just have to have the team first mentality, like cheering for other people. If you get focused in on yourself, you're going to make more mistakes. So if you're just like, I messed up, I'm only thinking about myself. I'm only doing this. A coach will notice that. And it's so easy just to like, just ruin your whole entire day. Yes. You need to have the intensity to like crush it and you're going to dominate everybody while celebrating other people's successes. I think is huge. So you can see the, the coaches will see the body language if you make a mistake and you, yeah. and you, and you're like, or you're going palms up. Everybody hates palms right. up. Palms up. Yeah. Or just like even an eye roll. I mean, like I, when I was recruiting, I would just try and really, really watch girls body language or the way they like, Oh, did they tell someone a genuine, like great play? Like, or was, you know what I mean? Just yeah. simple like that. Just, just really being that, you know, team first mentality while, no one ever is going to out hustle you or outwork you type of player. Like, did you crush to the ground and then help them up? You know? So just having that balance, um, I think is huge and type of player. Like, I think that goes into the, this whole recruiting frenzy is people start to get like, Ooh, this person committed and that person committed and that like, be happy for them. They are going to now push your level to help you get to the place that you're meant to be at too. And open up doors. Yeah. So with, with early recruiting, there was probably no due diligence being done with anybody yeah. besides yeah. a youth coach. Now that, you know, they can't actually start talking to athletes until 11th grade, at least now co club coaches and high school coaches can be a part of the conversation. Like, Hey, what's this kid like? Is she a good kid? Yeah. And how often are you, are you hearing that back? And can the parents ever get you unrecruited because they're such they're so out of their minds that yeah. nobody really wants to deal with you. And so the first one, yeah, you get it all the time. They're going to be like, hey, I, I really like this kid the past couple of weekends. What's she like? And I always tell my kids, make it easy for me to get you recruited. Make that an easy question for me to answer. Love them. Hardworking. Shows up to practice. Ready to go. Like, wants to learn. You know, pushing through every single drill. And, you know, just make it easy for you to say those things. I mean, it sounds simple, but, you know, a lot of times kids just don't do those little things that make it easy just to say that right off the bat. And then to the parents thing, I always just say, like, don't just yell for your parent, your kid to get the ball or say, go, 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 or say the opposite thing that the coach is saying. Um, so just cheer for your kid, give them a hug, whether they play bad or good, just be there for them. And I mean, my dad was crazy intense, but he was always there for me. He was never going to tell me I played a bad game. He might tell me a few things I needed to work on, but like <laughs> in a way that was great that they were just there for me yeah. while he was so intense screaming for everybody on the sideline. So I think it's um, just don't yell at the rest, be on your best behavior, just yeah. help be a great teammate. Yeah. As I tell the kids to be great teammates, like the parents need to be great teammates towards each other and to the kids. Coaches are definitely watching and listening. And, yeah. I mean, and I'm, just the way they, they handle themselves on visits, too. Like, are, is, your, is your questions all about money? Is it about playing time? Is it about, you know, things that just are opposite of that culture, buying in team mentality? You can get a vibe right away. Like, all right, this parent's going to be tough to deal with for four years. Or, wow, that's awesome. Yeah.
you know, the parent that answers every question for the kids. Yeah, right. Or, yeah. But it's equally bad if the kids are rolling their eyes every time mom has a question, yep. right? That has it's, happened. I've been on that side where I was like, oh, that parent was, I mean, that kid was so rude to the parents. Like, yeah. I didn't like them, you know? So you just get this, like, just, you know, try and go in knowing that they're watching your every move and it could affect, no matter how talented you are, it could affect what happens. And if you throw a coach under the bus to another coach, that coach knows they're next. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about athleticism. Co coaches love athletes. Um, mm -hmm. They feel like they can develop athletes. Um, obviously, there's, uh, there's physical qualities, you know, size and speed and quickness and stuff like that. But talk a little bit about how they're evaluating you as an athlete and the importance yeah. of sports probably. I mean, I just think you can't, you can't teach speed. So like, if you're fast, like you're like, wow, that person has potential, something you can work with stick work can always get better with, you know, what you're coaching them and what you're telling them to do and how much they want it to, you know, get better at their own stick work. Um, your, their burst of speed, their change of direction, all that stuff. I mean, I think just seeing the athletes like on the field, you can tell, I mean, I'll use, you know, one of the players we watched this summer, there was an amazing basketball player. You can just tell that her lacrosse is going to get better and better because of her basketball background. Yep. And athletes are sometimes what coaches need to take a, a risk on. Like, oh, I think that kid's a great athlete. Right now she's lacrosse is here, but she's going to be here once this becomes her main sport. Um, and I think coaches love the fact of that, like, that project, like, oh, I'm going to make this athlete into a great lacrosse player one day. And she, she's so raw and like into learning the game where she hasn't been playing for 50 years. So it's just, you know, I think coaches just get excited about that, but you also need to balance it with those amazingly skilled lacrosse players as well. You can't just have a bunch of athletes out right. there. You'll never score, especially, yeah. with all, especially with all the zone defenses. Now. Exactly. So it's just having that balance now with the way the game's going and, how much more skilled it is and you need those athletes, you know, just to grit it out and tough it out with the balance of those finesse players. Coaches love two sport athletes, multi-sport mm -hmm. athletes. Yeah, I would say 100%. I mean, you just get a little bit of, also, I just think you don't want to get burnout. I always say lacrosse becomes your job once you become um, into college and it becomes the only thing that you're playing all the time. So just having that release a little bit in high school. So it's not all lacrosse it just makes your four years in college a little bit easier, not, you know, easier in a sense that like it hasn't been your main focus for eight years. Now it's your main focus for four years where you had that outlet a little bit, you know, in your high school career. It's really hard. I think for some athletes because they, they want to be a multi-sport athlete, but then all of a sudden September 1st hits and they're being invited mm -hmm. on visits and it's like, Oh, we want to see you again. Come to our prospect day. And yet you're, you're playing soccer or field hockey or cross country or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now you've got this conflict. And while the coaches are saying on the one hand, we want you to be multi-sport athletes. On the other hand, we need to see you. And they're yeah. not saying you can't play, but they're, but they, we also know that if you don't go to these events because you're playing another sport, it, it becomes harder to get recruited. You need to find the balance. You also need to trust the process that like, all right, that coach wants you and you have that open communication now, like, Hey, I, I am a serious field hockey player and I have playoffs up until now, like they should work with you there. And if it becomes a pressure situation where you need to get somewhere, 
hopefully they communicate that to you. Yeah. Um, if they don't, that might mean that you might, you weren't as high on the list as you thought you were. Right. Um, so just having that open communication, I wouldn't be like, oh, I need to get there, get there, get there and skip all your fall sports. Just make sure you just communication is huge, whether with your coach, with the actual college coach, just figuring it out. And that college coach might say, Hey, no, tell, you know, Emily that she should, play soccer and we'll touch base. We'll, we have those spots. We're not in a rush or, you know what, Emily needs to get out here. If she can maybe miss one practice, you like, it works out for me. I work in a high school that I can have those conversations with their in season sports right now to tell them, Hey, this is super important. What's the best time for her to leave. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I think when you're actually in conversation with a coach, it's probably a lot easier to navigate that. It's more than when you need to get the look. Yes. Yeah. That's and then you have this really fear, like, if I don't do this, um, it's never going to happen where you just need to be like, all right, just trust that your intensity, your assertiveness, your X, Y, and Z, that it's going to make you get looks at those tournaments is going to work. You know what I mean? So it's kind of just buying into your own process as well. Like, all right, I'm going to playing a fall sport and being a multi-sport athlete is huge. And I'm going to go to that at least the Sunday of that one tournament and that's going to be enough where I, you know, just figuring that out where I'm going to play this out and I'm going to be a late recruit, which is fine. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times people think I need to get it done with where the most D one schools right now have at least one or two spots in that 21 class. Like you're not, it's not done. Like I think we went over the numbers the other day where, what is there like 200 some committed and there's 800 plus spots or yeah. Yeah. So I think people think like once one starts committed, it starts to create this little bit of paranoia, but it's, it kind of starts to settle down. And like, I think now most people are waiting till the end of their fall. So we talked about character. We talked about athleticism. Um, let's talk about skill mm -hmm. and how coaches are looking at skill. And this might be a little bit of the old school, new school kind of view. Yeah. Um, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, what it means to be skilled. Because I think some people think they're skilled, but maybe they aren't as skilled as they think. Right. I mean, stick, I literally catching and throwing is huge. Like, I mean, that's what I was taught at Northwestern. We just did stick work all the time on the move under pressure. That's having skill. Like that's like, you can't dribble the basketball. You, you can't play. So right. it's the same thing with lacrosse. Like if you can't catch and throw when you're out there, you lost your opportunity to be assertive. So you have to have that stick work skill. Um, I mean, and I think that's the main thing. Ground ball, like fundamental skill, which we harp on a lot in the fall at my practices because you don't get everybody there all the time um, to do like, you know, an offensive set or go through a place. So you're going to, I'm just going to harp on skills because we don't have everybody there. That's something that you can always improve. And it's something that you can control. I'm like, you need to constantly be working on your fundamentals. Um, and like nine times out of 10, the, like the missed play is a dropped pass or a missed ground ball or an overthrow or an underthrow, which are, we're there, we're athletic enough to be in the spots, but we just didn't have the skill to complete the play. Right. Um, so it's huge. I mean, you sometimes see coaches like not, they might be like, oh, they were in the right place at the right time. They just didn't catch the ball. They need to work on skill or like that person has awesome skill. It's going to get them you know, high on that list or a lot of stars next to their name, like love their stick work, love their cradle. You can tell a lot by just the way someone has a smooth cradle. Interesting. So, so um, obviously 
the fundamentals are so important. Um, yeah. But we also, you know, when we look at the, where the game's going, we look at athletes like Kayla Trainer, right? You look yeah. at like these, and, and that's sort of like, that's taking fundamental skill and building on top of it with like the, the cutting edge, you know, all of the, all of the fakes and the feeds and the angles right. and shots. That's actually what that I stuff. mean by fundamental skill now, like is like the fakes, like shooting, like fake eyes, you know what I mean? All those different tricks. Like I think four of our goals yesterday were Twizzlers or like, you know, something that now I think are fundamental skills for Got our it. game where that might be also be the old school and the new school. I'd mm -hmm. say like right. Kelly and, Acacia Walker and Lindsay Monday, who all coached me, they were the new school, and that's what I learned. So I have always been part of that new, you know, fakes and all that stuff. And Hannah Nielsen, I obviously got to coach with for three years at Colorado, and you know, always up to date with the newest stick work and staying on top of that. That now becomes the basic skill in my club, not just regular catching and throwing. So you're kind of redefining what fundamental is, because a lot of people would say that you know, you should only be overhand, right? And right. I mean, men's across, I say this all the time. And it's like, but that's just not true because sometimes you have to throw it around the stick. Sometimes yeah. around the inside, sometimes behind the back, whatever it is, you know, and you want to be deceptive. Obviously. I talk about deception all the time. The amount of times, like, you just don't throw a tiny little fake, like fake like you're throwing away and make a pass over that way. It's huge. Like, you should never get your pass knocked down. Like, yeah. that's being so yeah. And so when you think about skill, when I think about skill, I think about in two ways. One is how skilled are you at, at various techniques, mm -hmm. but also how many skills are in your repertoire that right. you actually use. And exactly. the actually use part is kind of the, the, the key because everybody can like do partner passing and do it around right. the world. Like the behind the back on the move partner passing a regular thing so that shouldn't be like oh wow this is crazy it should be like no it's expected of you and it's a actually very effective pass so use it now with like confidence not like i'm never going to do it or i'm going to goof around and be silly like you know so it's just an effective pass so trying to make it more normalized that those are skills that need to be used in the game all the time and not like a Ooh, wow, that was really tricky. You know what I mean? I was talking to one athlete and she got feedback from a coach that was like really skilled, can play at a high level. Um, absolutely no left hand. And yeah. the answer was from this athlete was, well, I just know how not to use my left hand. But right. talk about the importance of being two-handed and also this the same sort of uh, style of play that's leaking into men's lacrosse, which is the box lacrosse. I mean, Selena Lasota developed the left, but she came in probably never having to put it in her left. Right, As true. do a lot of, you know, the same with probably Dana Dovey. I mean, she's a lefty and she can probably do everything she wants to do without having to go right-handed all that much. And we know that works. And we know yeah. also probably that you'd rather have like world-class strong hand and a proficient weekend than too good. Uh, but but how how do you what what are your what's your belief on that as far as in the recruiting process what what do you need to have? I think you need to have smooth soft hands. So like you could shoot every single shot with your right hand, but if you just display that like fluidness to go from right to left pretty quickly and you're comfortable going. But if you you know what I mean, you're setting up your dominant hand to get a shot off. That's actually equally as impressive yeah. that you just set up your angle correctly 
to get your shot off the where you want it. You know what I mean? But being able to switch your hands um, effortless, effortlessly, you know what I mean? When you're pressured on that hand to go and then you can come right back, I think is where they need to be able to use both hands. Yeah. And just cutting with the correct hand. Dodging, if you can set up your angle, that's awesome to get to your dominant hand and catch it offside dominantly or whatever you want to do. You don't need to just, just because a stick needs to be in one way. Right. Doesn't matter what hand you are. Like sometimes offside dominant hand is better than catching with your non-dominant anyways. For sure. But when they're cutting and feeding, just making sure they have it in the outside hand. I think that's where it becomes more apparent. Like, oh, that person just fed where it's, you know, shoulder, stick, stick. They just passed into a stick rather than putting it in their left hand. Right. I mean, you know? the, the, the stupid turnover where you basically do high fives with somebody's stick. Exactly. That just drives me insane. The most or, insane you, thing. When, or you ask for the ball when the defender's right there. Just ask for it with your outside hand. Right. So I think having those little things where you can show that you have skill with both hands yeah. um, seems simple. But like when you're getting it around, you ask for it with your outside hand simply or pass with the correct hand kind of shows that like two-way skill where dodging, if you want to set up your dodge, your dominant hand, going to get off the best shot, go for it. It's really interesting because, you know, in, in, um, there's statistics and analytics out there that will say that you will score more goals every time your stick is to the middle. Right. Yet everybody grows up, stick to the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those statements aren't opposite statements. They're both true. But the idea is that, you know, you can, you, if you split to your left and get back to your right, you can have more angle. That's great. Yeah, if you I talk more about angles, like – all right, don't take that outside, stick to the outside shot. Like, get your body and your hips in a position that's more in front of the cage. Right. You know, so that's where that twizzler or whatever, you know what I mean? You need to get your stick and your shot off at a better angle. I think angles is huge. Not necessarily. Your stick could be to the outside, but if you're in the middle of the field, you know what I mean? If you dodge yeah. from the wing, you know, like. If you're in the middle of the field and your stick's to the outside, it's good. But the reason why I'm bringing it up, though, is because there's a lot of traditionalists in men's and women's lacrosse that will tell you, stick to the outside everything you do. And what right. that ends up doing is creating worse angles for you as a habit. Right. And the player that is the, the box player is all about the angle because in a little net, you can't score right. if you don't get to the middle. That's why they never go to the other side of the field. They always stay on the righties on the left and right. the on the right. But the reason why I was gonna, I'm bringing this up, though, is because – you can be a player that, you know, is trying to get to their get to their strong hand, getting to the middle. But one time I heard you say that, and you just said a second ago, if you just show that you're two-handed as you're just passing the ball around, you can actually like check a box for a coach that knows you actually yeah, have. So. Sometimes I would write down like, does never ask so ask for the ball with the correct hand. You know what I mean? Something simple as that. I also like little things when you're getting around. If someone just stands there, I'm like just jab in and pop out like create some space like that's the off ball yeah. movement that we're talking about like that nothing bothers me more than someone that just stands there and doesn't take a step to the ball or like the little interception because you just didn't you didn't move four feet you know what I mean with the correct hand yeah okay so we talked a lot about skill here let's talk about IQ and yep. um you know there might there's probably nothing more important than IQ honestly mm -hmm. for winning games yeah very hard to recruit IQ very um, so how do, how do coaches do it? How did you do it? I mean, I just try and constantly, like, instill in them the correct, like, how to move the ball correctly. Like, yesterday we had three fast break opportunities. Like, one was really good, two were bad. 
Like one time, one girl just didn't, she moved the ball to a girl that was covered when no one picked her up. I'm like, have the IQ to that's your time to run down and shoot. You know what I mean? It's a 5v4 and they're still covered. No one slides to you. Just having the IQ that you don't need to move. Yes, everyone says move the ball in transition, but if no one's open, no one picked you up, you're the open person. Yeah. And then same next time down, someone moved the ball to the correct person, and then she forced it to the person that was covered. Like having the IQ to watch the defense, just to having the IQ to read the defense and not necessarily like get stuck in this, like I must move the ball to these three spots. Like that's where the deception comes into and just trying to get them to be better lacrosse players and read situations and not be like, I need to be drilled to do this every single time. Right. I think we played a club team once where they called the same play every single time, same girl scored from up top. Shame on us for not being able to uh, figure that out and stop it. But I was also like, that's great. But, you know, they're not really – like, you can't do that at a showcase. Like, no one's going to do the exact same thing for you. Like, let's try and learn the game a little bit more to, like, read where the man up situation is. Read if you got doubled, you need to move it two times and find the open girl. Do you always just force it into the middle? I hate it when girls stand at the top of the 12 and then jam it in the middle. Like – you got to get it. The heads of the defense turned. You're yeah. making an easy interception play for them. Um, Perfect segue into deception, though, because I think deception is probably one of the ways that you can judge IQ. Maybe not always, but faking in general. If you can watch a player not only reading the defense, but manipulating it, then you know mm -hmm. that there's a little bit of fluency there. Yeah, I mean, there. I because I, we just played yesterday, all these plays are coming back to me, but there was a and wide open opportunity for your daughter. She was so open, but if our one attacker just moved that defender in the middle a little bit, like she's passing down low and then made the pass, instead she made the pass right away, intercepted. It could have been a beautiful play if she just threw one pump fake down to move that defense and then make that pass over there. So her thought process was right, but just tweaking that one extra you know fake or move that defense that you need to start just instilling them that needs to be second nature and not every other so many players are just focused on their own man yeah and really if you're fluent you're not looking at your own man at all you're looking mm -hmm. through your own man you've got control over her yep your your ability to move and do all this but at the same time you need to be reading the defense seeing where the space is Mm -hmm. seeing where the defenders are and figuring out how to manipulate them. Right. I think celebrating those like almost beautiful plays where it was deceptive, yeah. it was great IQ is huge yeah. where like sometimes like I'm like, that was just a terrible goal. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. try not to celebrate the, the goals because it was a goal, but bad decision-making process. Right. You know what I mean? Like give them a round of applause. Like that was it. That was it. Like that was the opportunity. We just didn't finish. Right. keep doing that but maybe it might be different next time so make sure you they might now you know bait to go that way and change it up so just making sure that you give that feedback to these young high school girls always to keep building off their IQ and know that that was the right play even though they didn't score or and correct someone that maybe scored the wrong way I think using skills yeah. Uh, array of skills is, is a, because their skills are essentially solutions mm -hmm. and um, using different solutions in different scenarios can give you an idea 
I, I want to talk about one specific scenario. We talk about behind the back feeding. Um, mm -hmm. I think behind the back feeding is awesome because it, it always buys time for the receiver generally. Yep. Like they, nobody sees it coming and it's in the back of the net before anybody yeah. does it. But then you see sometimes where people are using a behind the back pass just to transfer the ball. And yeah, the advantage isn't there anymore. And I kind of look at that as an IQ thing. Like that player doesn't really understand the value of this pass. Like right. throwing it down to somebody for no other reason than I'm just going to throw it behind the back is probably not as warranted as when you're feeding a cutter or it's a one more where you're just like. I think the one more BTB is, is so effective in a fast break where you get it, you know, across. And like we just said, some – less IQ lacrosse players make that pass their right hand right to the stick where if they can just get in their right hand and get it down to that low person it's so so much faster than yeah. your hands are rolling to the outside it's by the time they're rolling to the outside they might be covered now you have to roll back and now it's not a fast break <laughs> the Kylie O'Miller behind the back feed too is one of my favorites where she's a lefty and she just kind of runs up the arm towards the elbow and pops behind the back feeds to righty cutters yes um there's a, there's a lot of IQ that goes in that. There's a lot of deception. Uh, it doesn't look like she's feeding, and they, you can't yeah. really guard it. Um, no. I kind of feel like certain plays like that will just get you circled and starred if you have sure. that confidence. But it's really interesting because when you think about all these topics, um, and I'm really, as you know, I'm really into, like, this concept of free play and pickup games, and it's really what we spend a lot of time doing in yeah. the real household. But um, that's because – um, when you're out there playing, you have to process it. So many things like who, how am I being guarded? Where are my teammates? What's the score? Where's the space? Where are the other defenders? I got other teammates communicating with me. I have the coach yelling towards me. All of these things are happening. And then you got to make decisions. Right. The decisions you're making are, there could be a bunch of them, like where to take the ball, where to pass it. And then and what skill to use. And right. then you execute your decisions with your skills and techniques. Mm -hmm. When when you spend all of your time kind of working on your skills and techniques, that's fine. You can master them, but that's not the hard part. The hard part is the processing and decision making. Right. That's why I said like you need to put it into a game like situation and yeah. just play like multiple multiple reps, not just for five minutes. Like sometimes I feel like some we go to the next drill because we need to, but they need more time at it to be efficient to implement it like i like we you just said it needs to be a fast decision you can't you can't wait it's yeah. too late and the decision to use a skill involves confidence sometimes yeah so much especially with girls i feel like i'm like okay i'd rather you make a behind the back pass bad with so much confidence than to like give up on yourself halfway through you know what i mean so i was like it looked better even though it didn't wasn't executed correctly if you just have the confidence and be like and own it rather than if they just go in and half assed go in and half assed then it's just like it looks so much worse iq can also be judged by your off the ball right so how you move without the ball how you cut how you pick how you seal are you f proficient in two-man games can you talk a little bit about that yeah i mean it's huge even like little things with like rolling the correct way is huge so like, like off, you mean? yeah like belly to the ball the whole entire time or however you want to say that concept everyone has different little things we used to say high five yourself open or belly button has to follow the ball yeah. so many people slip the wrong way and then they're just not open and then also realizing like don't don't make that pass if they did not roll the correct way and they're no longer open um 
just me and I think just having the IQ of like hitting the extra pass. A lot of times we don't say dodge pass pass where girls see that open person and they force it in rather than hitting the next one. And then your angle is so much better to curl cut back to the ball. Um, curl cutting is huge. Like just being able to like curl onto it, square up your hips where so many times people will just like flat cut and then they're making a shot like running away from the goal, you know? So why yeah. not get your body in position to, make the most effective shot. Um, and these are little things that, you know, we try and harp on at my club team all the time that it just takes time and they need to keep getting it fading. Um, I love that drill that Hannah Nielsen did last year on the podcast. I think it was that 3v3 yep. drill where my top girl, I notice it all the time now, just stands or she'll cut through. I'm like, you can fade because you can see your girl that will inch over and then you're wide open. Um, just you know, being aware of where your hip is, where, what you're doing off ball, um, simple exchange with your head on a swivel, head on a swivel is huge. A lot of times people just turn away and they have no idea that their girl went to go double. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, following the slide, right? So yeah. if you're slides, you've got to follow her, um, you know, recuts and you know, um, how about give and goes? I mean, you awesome. know, it's like, I mean, if you were a coach, would you not be like give and go and just like make a little check there? Exactly. Uh, that happened even defending a given goal. I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you not know that your girl's going to get the ball back? Like, yeah. I was like, talk to your defense and have her, you know, slide and cover your girl. But I think people need to look for that so much more. It's so open, especially with free movement now, too. So I people do a, a lot of video assessments and we actually look at every single off ball movement a player does. You've seen those. I did them for well, a couple of your players. Yeah. It's very interesting to sort of look at like we chart every movement you did and categorize them and yeah. then every, every movement that you could have done, should have done, would have done, um, yeah. which, which, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. Cause if you're being told to do one thing, then you know, you got to do what your coach says, but there are certain basic generic movements like mm -hmm. clearing through Some people like over or like work in the wrong ways. You know what I mean? They might be working so hard, the efforts there, but just work a little bit smarter, yeah. like angle your cut differently. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. Just the positioning. And like we said, being the right, place to assert yourself like a lot of times girls a lot transition in a flat line I'm like you need to get ahead like they need to get ahead to cut back in layers um but sometimes I'm like I don't know if they quite understand what I'm saying that you need yeah. more practice yeah, but, um, they'll run, or they'll pass to someone that's in the same like get let's transition the ball up the field not you know east and west let's get it upfield how about defensive IQ how are you figuring that out um, I mean, I just, it's pretty, like I said, I try and make it pretty straightforward for my club girls, but just knowing the time and place when to jump and double team and stay on the double is huge. Yeah. Sometimes they'll just like stay with their defender and that person just goes right to goal. I'm like, go make that double team. And yeah. also knowing when to force outside and when to force back to help is a huge IQ part on the one-on-one -on -one defender. Like, all right, you need to be aware. I have no help on my left-hand side at all. So I should probably try to get her back to my defense. Um, and I just think trusting those instincts, especially with playing behind the net, like go out and make a play together. Um, be there to not let them just catch the ball, you know, without any pressure on them behind the net. But you need to do that with your other defender having your back. Don't go just be this sole person that's going all out without your help. So having the IQ to make a play while communicating, like we just said. To your teammates because defense is huge on communication if you're just one person's doing something and the other person's not there you look bad 
what what kind of are there some specifics on communication that that you would actually like listen for uh well i mean i'm just so used to saying like hot like we say hot is like your first and second slide like right there like the adjacents next to ball um i would be impressed by someone going out behind the net and telling that other person to come with them um telling them exactly where to force like force them back force them back um saying jump like you're gonna jump the double there's a couple of things right there and especially when you um are transitioning the ball to your attack if i hear those defenders telling people where to go like so many times defenders just stay in the middle of the field if they don't break wide like listening to those defenders like you get low right i'll get low left you go high and like just to spread that field out it's already pretty narrow like we make it more narrow on ourselves why not get use the sidelines so a lot of times seeing those defenders to communicate where they're going is huge too there's no doubt that college coaches are going to notice your communication like that I, and it, everyone's specific so like you can have a head coach as a defender that's going to see that a lot. You can have a head coach as an attacker that's not listening for that as much. And it's sure. situational as well. Like I'll talk to Ann Ellie about defense all day, but yeah. Hannah about attackers and, you know, <laughs> more. Uh, um, in men's across, they always talk about using first names too. And I, I, I mean, this is, this is totally applicable to women's across. I just don't know if it's as much of a topic, but mm -hmm. Colleen, force her right. Colleen, force right. I say it's a lot better than as possible. I'm like, you can literally say the exact thing you're doing. They're not paying attention to you. You know what I mean? Like same thing with attack. You could say you're run, rolling a pick and roll. If you do it effectively, it's still hard to stop. Because yeah. you might repick, you might slip. You could change, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't have to like make up some code language. Just no. Communicate and be directive and be decisive. And I was like, you could make the wrong decision, but if you communicate and do it 100%, I'm fine with that. But if you are in between two decisions, not fine with that. A couple of the girls that coach on, the, on our high school team, they lip, lip it. They're like, they say slip in like, in as if they're whispering it and then they know. It's kind of funny. Like, but the point is, is that there's all different ways to communicate. Right. Yeah. You're actually communicating is important. Or they'll okay. be like, hey, let's do that exactly. thing. You know what you're doing. Like you might know each other so well, you know exactly how to play yeah. off each other with no communication but defense you never need to change that you could be as clear as day and doesn't matter um so the last the last thing the coaches are looking for and the reason why i went last with this topic is not because it's the least important it might be the most important but that's your academics it's just that they're going to look at you on the field first mm -hmm. then they're going to find out what kind of a kid you are and if you're in the ballpark academically yeah um, and so from an academics perspective um any thoughts and advice on this I mean, it just gives you more opportunities. So it allows you for way more opportunities to fill that last spot. If you have looking at a high academic school, you're, you're giving, you're putting yourself in a better position where if you don't have the grades, you, it's going to be a tougher, tougher road if you're not like the top 10 person in the country. Um, so I just think it just one, and a lot goes into your work ethic. So like, if you have great grades, I remember, you know, at Colorado used to say like, you have to work equally as hard on the field as off the field. So like just showing that you are working your butt off in the classroom, it just validates those hardworking attributes yeah. we're looking for. Yeah. But I would just say just making sure it's, it just allows for more opportunities. It, it helps a bunch. Huge. Um, yeah. Okay. Turning to a new topic, which is uh, let's talk about summer recruiting a little bit. Mm -hmm. how, how many 
how many things should you be doing in the summer? You know, and I think that like, I feel like some people are just doing so much that right. we talked about this a little bit in our conversation before we got started here, but they're doing so many things. They're going from one camp to another camp to a tournament to camp to camp to tournament. And they do eight weeks of it. They're doing like 15 things. I mean, where do you draw the line, you know? I know. I always say you need to like map out your summer with your parents and have a balance. Like, and I always tell them like, take, take off in August. Don't like, you need your downtime, you know, like, or, and at least I give my club off around 4th of July too. I hope they take that week to maybe relax and regroup because it's a tough, like three weeks in June and three weeks in July. Um, if you make, end up making those like all-star teams, if you make Under Armour, if you make, um, your team one of the national school girls, like you might not only need one more camp, you know what I mean? Cause you're getting those two extra showcases where if you're not on those teams, you might need two or three camps. I try and say to pick a camp that has multiple coaches there so that you're not just, you know, narrowing it down. Like I'm only going to get seen by this school. Mm -hmm. Um, so that you can kind of, you know, see a bunch of different schools, especially in 2022. Um, if you're a 21 this coming summer, you should know you're not going to be running around. You might have one camp that you need to go to that they're still watching you. Um, or like a D3 showcase of some sort type of camp. Um, but yeah, you don't need to go crazy. I think if you love a school, like I always say, like if you're like my heart's set on Notre Dame, it's always where I want to go, then go to that camp. Like let's get in front of them. That's your dream school. Let's make it happen. Follow your dreams. I'm going to help you in any way. And then if that doesn't work out from there, then we might need to open it up more. It does seem like the relationships that you can build with coaches while you're at their camps um, make a huge difference in your mm -hmm. ability to be, end up there. I mean, it doesn't mean that they wouldn't recruit you, but if they really like you, it makes them yep. want to recruit you more. You think that's true? I agree. I mean, I think there's something to be said with like, wow, this kid really, really likes us. Like she's, you know, this is where she wants to be. And it's, you're going to take that kid that really wants you over the kid that you're trying to convince if they're equal talent. Yes. Um, so a lot plays into that, but it will help you maybe get a leg up when you're, um, same playing field. Right, I'm going to go with this kid that, that loves us and has been, you know, committed to us since day one, rather than continuing to chase this other kid around. Um, and also you might be that blue collar, hardworking kid that that coach is like, wow, I love working with this kid every time she's here. You right, might exactly. always lose one or two kids that you get in a class that they're just like, I want this kid here. She's a culture changer or she might not be the most talented on the lacrosse field, but she's something that we want, you know, a part of our program. Um, so you have the ability to do that at a camp and really like get to work, you know, with all those coaches and, and the players, you know, the players are big advocates for a lot of the coaches too. Those players, if they love you, they come back like we want this kid. Yeah. Coaches will listen. Well, yeah. and also you can, they can really identify your IQ and, and a little more depth of your skill because mm -hmm. they can see you adapting in the drills with the see things. For three days, not what we just said. What do we say? It comes down to nine minutes a half. Yeah. <laughs> you get, you get more in one hour drill, you know, there than you do at a fall tournament. Right. Um, I think it's interesting, the concept. I mean, I agree. You can't argue with like going to a prospect day that has more coaches um because yeah. you are going to get more bang for your buck but i think there's an argument for if you go to the individual camp and it's a little smaller they can actually no, get some I, I really don't have the right answer because i know those lacrosse master camps like a lot of my 2020s love them and they ended up getting committed because of those 
small. I don't know how much they capped it off at, but it was perfect. And that's why I try and run that one fall elite yeah. event here at, um, for Triple H, where there's only 70 to 80 kids and 10 college coaches. I mean, that's kind, that's awesome. Like, you're not going to get that really another place where you get, I think they each got to be with, you know, at one of the head coaches for three full 20 minute stations and got coached by them in a 77 and a full field game. So you're getting to work with each of them in a different setting um, for one full day where the one drawback at some of the camps is you might get uh, positioned in a group and then with one specific college coach that whole yeah. time might be your dream school, might be a school you're not interested in at all. Right. You kind of, um, you, that's a toss up you get sometimes when you go to the, you know, a bigger school camp with 15 college coaches there. You might like the five schools, but you might not like the other six schools and you might only see the main six schools you don't like. Well, and, and interestingly, a lot of times, not all coaches are created equal in terms of how thoughtful they are about putting you in a position. So like, sometimes they might be like, let's do one-on-ones. Okay, um, I'll stand here at the elbow and you can dodge me. Right. Which is not going to show you anything, right? Because it's yeah. just like, it's like dodging a cone. Or you could be like doing one-on-ones where it's like, wow, yeah. that, that kid actually like knows how to yeah. beat people. And I know. you it's, think it's that, that would be like standard operating procedure, but it's not. The one thing I would say though, is when you go to those camps, like even if you didn't like that, you're not interested in that specific college, college coaches change so much that yeah. still bust your butt, don't get down because that coach in three weeks might be the head coach at a school that you're in love with and they'll remember you. Um, so just making sure that you still try and learn, try and get better, like all those things that we just said, even if it's not like recruiting purposes wise going in your favor. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's a huge advantage if you live on the East Coast too, because um, us yeah. that live out in the West, it's like, you know, you're going to fly to go to a four hour prospect day. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, as opposed to driving a few hours to get to yeah. the prospect day, it's really hard. You just can't do as much when you live farther away. Definitely. Which is why the more bang for your buck sometimes works. Um, I, but I also think it kind of like you should look at the kind of player you are. There are certain players that are just so, you know, athletic and tall and fast that they're going to stand out no matter what they do. Right. There are yeah. other players that really are going to show, shine a lot better on a club team because, because of their IQ and the way their for team sure. plays. And you got to kind of find that balance too, I think. Definitely. I mean, yeah, I've heard like it's crazy – how unhappy some kids are on subclub teams or, or not, you know what I mean? And that's a lot of your future riding in that. So you better find a place that you're happy at where you can thrive and get yeah. better. Um, you know, that club coach or specific coach can help you in any way they can. A lot of people I've heard say like, well, I, we, we don't want to leave our club because then we're going to yeah, be like club, we're like club hopping. Yeah. Like, like college coaches are going to care at all what, I mean, they don't care. All they care about is, are you good enough? Right. And yeah. They don't care if, the, if your parents are a nightmare, but, the, but leaving a club doesn't. I feel like they might ask, was there something bad that happened? And if, if it's just, you know, coaching or you want a different change, they don't care. Yeah. Um, if there was a serious issue, yeah, you might. They yeah, might for sure. But that's, you know, that's a separate yeah. topic. But I just sort of say that because I just know that I've heard people say they're afraid. And that just goes back to the whole thing where you could get blackballed or you could get banned or somebody. You can't. If you're good enough, you're good enough. If you're not, by the way, the better you are, the more leeway you get. As as, uh, hypocritical as that statement is, it's pretty much true. I mean, generally speaking. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would help out as many people as I possibly can, but I just said, you also have to be, have the talent. It's easier to help out talented kids and get them in the spot than it is to help projects or someone that might take time. But um, you need to check the characteristic box for me in order to help you. Um, you know, need to be a good teammate. You need to be hardworking and I need to trust those qualities before I take on someone that I'm going to put my name associated with. Um, last topic was talk about development. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, what you believe are the best ways back to the topic of, are you good enough? Right. Um, what are the, what are the best ways for you to, to, to do that? If you're a, parent and you want to help your kid or your kid listen to this? I think having a clear conversation with them. Do you want to play division one lacrosse is like kind of an important conversation to have, which sounds silly, but I think a lot of times when like people just want to say they're going to play division one lacrosse, but they actually don't want to do the hard work. Like it's hard work. Um, and do you want to, are, is a D3 a better option for you? Because you don't want to, you know, this to be your job when you go to college. So just figuring out what you want first is huge. Yeah. Um, and then putting it on priorities too. Like is academic your main priority? Like, cause I've had a lot of kids where I said they're very, very, very good students that academically can get into a Notre Dame or something like that, but they talent wise can't play there. Yeah. So figuring out that balance of where it fits for them. Um, and do they want to go to, a lower academic institution and jeopardize missing out on their academic talents, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so just having those conversations with what they want really helps it rather than you could be wasting time trying to get them to somewhere when they don't even want it. Right. Be careful um, what you wish for. Right. I mean, like it's a lot of work to play division. A lot of work. I mean, it's not, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. Like looking back on it now, but there, those are hard days and long cold practices and early, um, early mornings. <laughs> Yeah. And so just figuring out if that's what you want. And then you kind of put it to them, like some of them, I'm like, all right, now it's up to you. You either got to, you got to get faster and fitter and stronger. Like, you know what I mean? That's how, that's what they need from you. That's what they want to see. And then do they do that or do they not? If you can't do that now, you're definitely not going to do it when you're at college. Um, or your stick, stick work needs to get better. I need you on the wall every single day. Then that's up to them. You know what I mean? You can only give them so much to do or how you need them to get better to get the looks. Like I think that's, what's nice is trying to get that clear feedback from some coaches. Hey, I really liked this kid, but her skill set's not that good yet. Can you work on that? Um, I remember I talked to one coach from one of my 2019s. They were like, really like her size, really like her potential. I just need her to get, uh, I think he said softer hands, like being able to move her stick around a little bit more fluidly. And that was her main focus to do that fall. She ended up committing after the fall because he saw an improvement. So just trying to get those, you know, clear feedback uh, areas to work on and then figuring out if they're willing to put in the time to make those changes. And if they're not, then it's probably wasn't going to be a good fit for you if you can't make those changes now. Yeah, no doubt. And it really helps to have good coaching along the way too, because yeah. whether it's, you know, your high school coach, by the way, there's, there is, you know, and I, I failed to mention this at the beginning, but you're the head coach at Penn Charter where you're also the AD. Yeah. Um, and those girls are so lucky to have you because there is no bigger opportunity or opportunity cost than a spring of great uh, coaching right. playing. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I just love trying to give them all the stuff that we were just saying earlier. And I think 
if they buy into what I'm saying, they, they're starting to see the success. So like just buying into the small things where, you know, they've had coaches before that just never taught them IQ or set up a play. Like they were like, what, we have plays? I'm like, yeah, you have plays. So it's just like trying to get them, a, you know, to be smarter lacrosse players. And yeah. a lot of those girls now are finding themselves with great opportunities at them um, that they have in front of them. Like tomorrow, Wednesday signing day for my seniors here. And I'm fortunate that I have a girl going to Ohio State, Stony Brook, North Carolina, Penn, and St. Joe's. And those are my five seniors. So, um, and they've come a long way where I don't think they would have thought they were going to those places if, right. four years ago. But they've worked hard at it. You got to work hard at it. You got to love yeah. it. Um, it really helps to have good coaching. I am a huge believer in playing these small three-on-three and four-on-four yeah. games. That's that's pretty much what what we do because we play for Triple H and we live in Denver and you're in Philly. So <laughs> yeah, the we practice across. Like, my girls love it when they get to come play with you and learn from you. Whether you know we're just chatting at practice or something like that, just to learn from your IQ is huge. Um, and I think they see that I'm learning, so they too want to learn. Yeah, and they love playing in the pickup games, and it's so much fun. I love playing in the pickup games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's fun. I like. I'm a visual learner, so I have to, I mean, we talk a lot on the phone and I'm trying to draw it up, but I need yeah. to see it in front of me in order to like really comprehend it and then continue your wealth of knowledge to my girls as well. So they get it not just once a month, you know, they try and get it every day. As we talked about repetition and playing in a game setting is the only way they're going to continue to learn. Awesome. Well, you know, there's a lot more topics and we're going to have to do this again sometime, but, but yeah. in the meantime, if people have questions about recruiting, can they reach out to you or yeah. do you have events and things that they can, how do they get, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, my email is best. It's just C O L L E E N at big four B I G four L A X.com. Colleen at big four lax. And for those of you that have questions on my end, you can always email me at Jay Monroe at jam3sports.com. Colleen, always a pleasure talking to you yeah. about lacrosse. And I know there's so many more topics that we're going to have to come, come back and revisit, but we'll do Definitely. it next time. Yes. So, thank Looking you so much. No problem. See right, you. See ya. Yeah. Bye. The Philosophy Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now.